talking about. Film's the greatest educational medium the world has ever known. Hi guys, and welcome to Teenage Golden Age, a podcast where we talk about old Hollywood movies, seeing them with new eyes. From seeing the first Alfred Hitchcock to being delighted by the first Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire dance routine, we take you through classic films from the perspective of the next generation. Before we start, please rate and review us if you enjoy our podcast because it helps grow our audience and help more people hear about old movies. Also, go check out our Instagram and TikTok where we post movie and podcast clips, posters, questions, and more, all under at Teenage Golden Age. With that, let's talk about Audrey Hepburn and why Breakfast at Tiffany's was her seminal but one of her worst films. Audrey Hepburn's films were one of the first classic movies I'd watched, so I wanted to introduce you guys to them to start our old Hollywood journey together. I talked about Sabrina in our last episode and how it was the second old movie I ever watched. So if you guys haven't watched that episode, definitely go check it out because it was so fun to record. Audrey is so charming and sweet and she is one of the best actresses of old Hollywood and she like I love her so much. She is just I mean, no wonder why so many people still love her today. She is absolutely incredible, and I'm so excited to talk about her. Be sure to stick through the end to see what our next episode is about. Audrey Hepburn was really an amazing person through all her glamour, and from the first time I saw her in a picture, I admired her poise, sweetness, and charm, just everything about her. She was one of the most notable stars, and she's ranked number three in the film's institute in the Film Institute's list of Best Old Hollywood Stars. She was both a superstar and a humanitarian in her later years. It's actually really cool. She worked as an ambassador for UNICEF, and she just helped a lot of um, children who um, were faced with deprivation and had like horrible conditions she was just super she was such an amazing person you just can see from like watching interviews of her that she was such a kind nice person and I love how she was I mean she was an amazing actress but she was also such a sweet person and that's why I think so many people love her she was also a symbol of style and class and she was she was really known as a fashion icon she still is she had a ma- absolutely amazing fashion throughout all her movies she worked a lot with Givenchy a very famous French designer and their work together was absolutely amazing she so even though she only had 27 movies which only a few did well she was one of the best actresses and yeah, I'm I'm not, I'm praising her a lot, but she is really an amazing actress. She was born near Brussels, Berlin on May 4th, 1929, and she was originally named Audrey Kathleen Rustin. Her mother was a baroness and her father was a businessman. And at her boarding school that she attended, she started to learn how to dance. She actually wanted to become a dancer way before she ever wanted to become an actress she I don't think she even wanted to become an actress it was kind of something that just happened but she her main goal in life 
was to become a dancer but unfortunately she did not um due to different reasons which i will talk about later on but while she was at boarding school her parents divorced and she never really saw her father until he left audrey and her mother completely and his absence really was hard for her throughout her entire life even though they reunited in later years but you know their relationship was never the same when the war came audrey and her mother were faced with deprivation and their house was burned down also a lot of her family members were taken away from her during the war which was super devastating for her however her mother was able to secretly get her some dance lessons and she would privately perform for people in exchange for money for the resistance also, she helped the resistance by taking messages to people in her shoes. In 1948, after the war was over, she tried studying in a ballet school in London, but she inevitably wouldn't become a ballerina because she was too old to learn and lost many years of training due to the war. They were very poor after the war and her mother would have to work hard so she could support Audrey's passions. And Audrey also did help support her and her mother by starting to take small parts in movies so she could make money. And while filming one of her small roles, she was spotted by Colette, a writer who recently wrote the book Gigi. And she was looking to find someone to play the lead role in her Broadway production and she spotted audrey and she was like i i she has to be the main role you know audrey um went to new york to star in the play which she thought she was not capable of doing but she did an amazing performance and was spotted by william wyler a big hollywood director and he casted her in roman holiday opposite gregory peck by the way gregory peck was also a very famous leading man in old Hollywood and there's a very famous story of him of so basically he originally was supposed to get top billing for Roman Holiday because he was the more famous actor um between the two and but he was like he saw Audrey's talents and he wanted her to become top billing and he made sure that she was top billing because he just thought she was amazing and she really deserved to become top billing even though he had worked really hard to one day become top billing. So that's a really interesting story. I love it. And I love Gregory Peck. He is a great actor. He was in a lot of classics. I also, I love his performance in To Kill a Mockingbird. That is such an amazing movie. Um, so definitely go check him out. I love Roman Holiday too and her performance was so good that she actually won an Oscar for the first movie she starred in which is incredible like imagine winning your first Oscar for the first movie that you ever starred in like that is incredible I like how did she do it like that is amazing and Roman Holiday was such a good film I just loved the i love the film it's such a nice like relaxed like easy nice comedy and it, i just love the whole aesthetic of audrey like exploring rome you know like riding the vespa and going to the markets going to all of the amazing sites eating gelato it's just a whole vibe and i i love the movie so much and you can't miss if you're directed by william wyler and you work with 
Gregory Peck. Her career skyrocketed from there, and she made other classic films like Sabrina, Funny Face, Charades, War and Peace, and many more. A lot of people, though, associate her with the film she did in 1961, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Don't you just love it? Love what? Tiffany's. Let's talk about why Breakfast at Tiffany's was her most popular movie. So the character she played in Breakfast at Tiffany's was definitely a contrast in comparison to other roles she played in where she was, I don't know, more like sweet and innocent and charming. Just for background, Breakfast at Tiffany's is based on a Truman Capote's novel. It's a story of a young woman, Holly Golightly, who is played by Audrey Hepburn, who lives in New York City and meets a young man, Paul Varjak, when he moves into her, her apartment building. He's with an older woman who is very wealthy, but he wants to be a writer. She's working as an expensive escort and searching for a rich older man to marry. But it turns out not only is he handsome and wildly rich, he's absolutely cuckoo for me. So you've probably seen the famous poster image of Holly Golightly balancing her perfect hairdo noning cat, elegant cigarette holder, and wearing the phenomenal little black dress with pearls. Or those aesthetic photos on Pinterest or Instagram of Holly Golightly looking into the window of Tiffany's with a coffee in one hand and a croissant in the other. All of these things contribute to his popularity and can kind of sort it out into two elements, relatability and fantasy. So the reason why this movie shows fantasy is that Holly Golightly's character life is romanticized. We see her going to wild parties, getting drunk, and having love affairs. And also, the fact that this movie is set in New York City, a place that is heavily romanticized, also contributes to the fantasy aspect of the movie. New York itself and the life that people live in it is always romanticized in movies or TV shows. And those movies and TV shows usually do really well and are really popular. Some examples are Gossip Girl and Sex and the City. Holly Golightly perfectly illustrates the New York fantasy with her beautiful fashion that she can just flawlessly put on and it looks good. Her small cute apartment where she can sing Moon River on her fire escape, walking down Fifth Avenue, to Tiffany's or visiting the New York Public Library. Oh, I love New York. And why are you leaving? What's in it for you anyway? The second aspect that contributes to the movie's popularity is relatability. There are some aspects in the movie that the audience can really relate to, like when you see Holly's struggle for love, comfort, and security in her relationships. Also, the fact that she doesn't have a lot of money and always seems to not have it even though she tries saving. You know, there's like this relatability. I feel like a lot of movies show like a rich, extravagant life, but she's just really trying to like, trying her best to kind of survive in the city and just try to make enough money. I think the relatability is mostly in the character Holly Golightly, but the fantasy is in the city she lives in. 
why I don't like it. I think over time it has become more of an aesthetic and less of a movie that people watch for the storyline and characters. I I mean, I definitely admire this movie for the fashion. It has amazing, amazing fashion and it's a very aesthetic movie, but the storyline isn't the best that I've seen compared to all like other old Hollywood movies. That's why I question why is this movie have way more popularity and it's just such a very such a famous movie that we know today if it just doesn't have the best storyline and characters compared to other old hollywood films you know um also i don't know the characters are okay i feel like first of all holly go lately like the whole movie she's kind of like this selfish character but then at the end she finally like switches to a good person so i think I hate, like, the quick transitions in this movie. Like, it's, like, you know, like, we turn from, like, for example, like, Holly Golightly not wanting to be with, um, the, um, like, with Paul Varjak, but then suddenly she, she, she switches and realizes, oh, I want to be with him, you know? I feel like it's just so quick, and I feel like I, it's not believable in the end that they actually want to be together, you know? Um, so that's my main reason why I don't like it, and also the side characters in this movie are very random, and they're not very developed in the storyline. First of all, the racist performance given by Mickey Rooney, which his side character did not add a single thing to the movie, and it was just so hard to watch, like, they should have taken that out, like, it was not, like, it was just really hard to watch, and I did not like it. Also, Patricia Neal's character who plays the rich woman that Paul Varjak is seeing was actually added to the screenplay and it was not added for a good reason because I think her character is just hard to understand her intentions and her actions and who's really beneath her I feel like she's just so I, I just don't know that much about her and like I've I, I want to know more about her you know so yeah, those are just some reasons why I don't like it that much. I'm not saying it's like such a bad, bad movie that you should like never watch it, but I'm just, I always question why it's so hyped, why it's so popular, why is it known as one of the best old Hollywood films, which I don't think it is at all. Now, let's stop bashing Breakfast at Tiffany's because I think we did a little too much damage, but... Let's talk about my absolutely favorite Audrey Hepburn movie, and I think it's one of my favorite movies just in general, probably definitely in the top 10, but my favorite Audrey Hepburn movie is Charades. It's from 1963, and it is such a good comedy, and it just has the best combination of action, thriller, romance, and of course, comedy. And when I first saw this movie, I was in awe of the fact that there were so many plot twists. And I was amazed that I couldn't predict what was going to happen. And I feel like, especially in today's movies, that is a little rare. It is definitely a good gateway into old films. And I just love it so much. We're going to analyze it today and just talk a little more in depth about it. But before I talk about it, some honorable mentions that I won't talk about in today's episode, but I seriously love these Audrey films are Roman Holiday, which we did talk about, Sabrina, and How to Steal a Million. So I would definitely recommend watching any of those films and I think you guys will really enjoy them. I love all of them equally and 
they again are so good so also we have some clips of those movies on our instagram and tiktok so if you guys want to check those out you guys may and we've got to do something i mean any minute now we could be assassinated for summary after regina lampard played by audrey hepburn falls for peter joshua played by Cary grant on a skiing trip in the french alps she discovers upon her return to paris that her husband has been murdered Soon, she and Peter are given chase to three of her late husband's World War II croonies, Tex, Scobie, and Gideon, who are after a quarter of a million dollars, the quarter stolen while behind enemy lines. He said if I don't give him the money, he'll kill me. Oh, don't take it seriously. He's just trying to frighten you. I believe what he said. The ability in this movie to capture suspense and thriller and comedy in one scene is just amazing. Even though Regina Lampert could get killed at any time, there is still a bit of lightness to it and fun because of the charm and jokes made between the two leads, Peter Joshua played by Cary Grant and Regina Lampert played by Audrey Hepburn. First, at the start, we are thrown with a mystery and see a man being thrown out of a train and you can see him lie on the floor, dead. Then we switch to the credits with colorful graphics and patterns showing the different contributors to the movie. This juxtaposition of a murder with this colorful opening credits show really the spirit of the movie and how at one second there is horror or thriller and then there can be a lightness and comedy. I think that is one aspect that makes a great movie, and we will definitely talk about that in the future. Um, another example of this is how in the beginning we are transported to this beautiful snowy resort with Audrey eating her meal with her Givenchy outfit. But then we see a gun pointed at her, but it just turns out to be a kid squirting water at her. This is another example of the juxtaposition of thriller with a little comedic touch. I love that scene, by the way, and it is posted both on our Instagram and TikTok. For a second, let's just talk about the comedy. I find it really hard to understand and laugh at comedy from old movies, but I think the comedy in this movie is actually funny. I actually showed this movie to one of my cousins who had never seen an old film, and he asked me, why is this movie actually more funny than movies today? Both Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn contribute to the comedy, and even the side characters add humor. I like how when Audrey is trying not to be killed you feel her sense of loneliness and a feeling that nowhere is safe for her and that makes us feel empathy for her situation the interesting thing about this movie is that you can't really trust any character because we aren't sure of the true identity of all the characters we don't even know peter joshua's identity until the very end because he keeps changing his name for one and we don't really get to learn his intentions and if he is a good honest man or if he is a thief. We're even so we're so swept up in the storyline and scared about whether Audrey and Carrie's characters are going to survive that we don't really know need to know exactly who he is. We are even unsure about Regina Lampard and if she killed her husband or if she has the money that everybody is going after. You know what's wrong with you? No, what? Nothing. The fact that Regina Lampert is trying to juggle all the mystery and has to find who killed her husband while finding the money that everybody's looking for and not trying to get killed herself 
makes the storyline so engaging. One of the main themes that we see in this movie is putting an ordinary person in a dangerous position. And that is the reason why people call this movie uh, the best Alfred Hitchcock film not directed by Hitchcock. So this movie has so many Hitchcockian tropes like, first of all, putting in, as we said, putting in an ordinary an ordinary person in an unordinary situation, a woman in trouble, an elegant hero, a few murders, gorgeous scenery and costumes, and so forth. This movie definitely screams Hitchcock, and um, if you don't know who Hitchcock is, he was a great director from this period of time, and he was, people called him the master of suspense, so it's really interesting how people call this movie a Alfred Hitchcock film not directed by Alf, uh, not directed by Hitchcock because it has so many similarities. I also like the romance in this movie and there is just there is a scene where you can just see their relationship of Peter Joshua and Regina Lambert flourish as they go to cold French nightclubs and play games and have romantic boat dinners on a river. I feel like even today we have like it also kind of has like that fantasy like in Breakfast at Tiffany's where it's like they're in Paris and they're doing all this romantic stuff. It's just like a fun time, you know, and the connection between them and the little remarks they make about each other just brings the romantic aspect to it. The fact that Audrey Hepburn barely even knows this man that she's spending time with makes it intriguing and shows how they don't really care about one another's past, but they care about their time together and who they are as people. Wasn't it Shakespeare who said when strangers do meet in far-off lands, they should ere long see each other again? Shakespeare never said that. How do you know? It's terrible. You just made it up. One more thing I want to talk about in this movie is the aesthetics and costumes. This movie is a work of art visually, and the cinematography is amazing. And also the fact that it was shot in Paris makes it really beautiful. Also, the interior design is nice. Like, for example, when we see Regina Lampert's old empty house when she runs through it, it has beautiful French-style walls with gold accents, and it's just really lovely. Also, the costumes are the star of the show. Audrey Hepburn's costumes were made by Givenchy, and her style in it is super classic and modern. We see her wearing a lot of outer coats and trench coats in various colors and a lot of pillow box hats and scarves. If you love fashion as I do, it is definitely a great fashion movie. Well, that is it for today. You guys can actually watch charades for free on YouTube and you can watch Breakfast at Tiffany's or any other movie I mentioned today um, by renting it on iTunes, YouTube, and most streaming sites. Also, I do recommend if you have the Criterion channel or I actually, I actually think it's free on YouTube to watch this with really interesting charades commentary that is done by the director of charades stanley denon and the screenwriter of it to peter stone i learned so many cool facts from watching that and it's like actually one of the most interesting things i've ever watched like there's so many cool movie like like secret movie things that they um say and it's just really cool the next episode is in two weeks, and it is a bonus episode about what classifies as an actual old movie. Our bonus episodes are going to be like five little five-minute episodes that just talk about um, things that you guys might want to know just overall about old Hollywood. And 
we actually post every two weeks. We just posted this episode a week after the one that we just posted just so you guys could actually get an actual episode from us. But in the future, we will be posting every two weeks. Thank you guys so much for listening to the first actual episode. This episode is so special to me and I hope it inspires you to watch some movies, the movies that I talked about. And definitely make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok all under at Teenage Golden Age. And if you like to email us about anything, any questions you have about the podcast, email us at teenagegoldenage at gmail.com. And with that, let me say goodbye.